I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Dirk with the back. What up, what up? You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. This is Isaac. I'm a contributor to Mavs.com, and I'm a co-host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. I am not joined today by Nick Angstead, the other co-host of the Lockdown Mavs podcast from the Free Dawkins YouTube channel as Nick takes the week off uh, for vacation. You're just stuck with me for the week, and uh, this is, I guess, Thursday at this point. I pre-recorded uh, this intro and uh, this pod uh, because I'm actually gone right now, too. So we had to get content content out, hashtag content for Mavs fans, because y'all listen to this, a bunch of y'all listen to this podcast every day. So I couldn't leave you hanging. Uh, you obviously, a lot of you listened to yesterday, and you got to hear the first part uh, to my, my chat with Tim Cato, my friend uh, Tim Cato from The Athletic. And uh, Tim's a, a, a great guy. I talked about it yesterday, but... Uh, um, meeting Tim a couple years ago and just seeing his rise from uh, uh, writing for Mass Moneyball to full-time at SB Nation now to The Athletic as a full-time beat writer for the Mavericks. Uh, it's pretty cool to see and to watch, and uh, Tim does a lot of cool things. He writes a, a lot of cool, neat stories that not, not everybody uh, dives into, so I, I enjoy that part of uh, Tim's writing and his coverage, but uh, yeah, so yesterday was part one. If you haven't listened to part one, I I definitely um, encourage you to go back to yesterday's pod, listen to that part first, then come back to this part part or this pod uh, to uh, listen to part two. But yesterday we covered a lot of things. At, at first we talked about, yes, him moving to the athletic, what the athletic's about, what lured him into the athletic and what was appealing and kind of what they do and... Uh, but then we got into uh, Mav stuff. We got into the Kimba Walker thing yesterday. How confident was Dallas in landing Kimba? How much did the Al Horford opting out change Dallas's plans? Uh, because it did, and it it shook them, and it shook uh, it shook the rest of the league. So um, how their confidence meter in landing Kimba, how that changed kind of their plans in free agency. And it was cool to hear Tim talk about just how confident they were uh, in getting Kimba and how, yeah, they had to move on to a new plan at that point. So uh, go back and listen to that. We talked about Al Horford there for a little bit, the few days there. If you remember as Mavs fans, Al Horford was the uh, was the talk. We heard national people speculating, is Dallas the team? They'd heard Dallas was the team that was lining up the offer for Al Horford. Uh, Tim sh- um, sheds a little light on that and that whole situation before you know Horford obviously went to Philly. And then we talked about Pat Beverly and... That was probably my favorite part from part one yesterday. If you haven't listened, and go back to listen. It's towards the end of yesterday's podcast. And we talk about the whole situation with Pat Beverly. What what exactly happened? Was it all smoke? What was you know, was Dallas interested? Were they not? 
uh, who in the Dallas front office was interested, maybe who wasn't. Uh, did Dallas come calling uh, for Pat Beverly uh, at free agency, or did they not? And uh, he sheds a little bit more light on that, gives a new, some new info on that, uh, or newer. Uh, he's written about it at The Athletic, and uh, so I, I like that he talked about that, and so we kind of debriefed on that of what exactly uh, transpired with Dallas and Pat Beverly. So then that concluded part one and heads into today. And uh, this part two today, we talk about the rest of kind of the Mavs offseason. Um, where did Danny Green and, and DeLon Wright fall in, in the Mavs plans? We obviously know what happened with Danny Green and that whole situation. So we didn't really spend a ton of time on Danny Green. And, and that was on purpose because uh, we've had Danny Green's high school best friend kind of filling us in along the way. So that kind of um yeah <laughs> uh, he kind of told us what was happening with Danny Green uh but I, I wanted to he- get Tim's thoughts on DeLon Wright how high up the wish list was DeLon Wright for the Mavs and was he more of a consolation prize that after the Mavs had struck out on a few of their other options that they turned they then set their eyes on DeLon Wright or was DeLon Wright a guy that they called on day one and that he was a person that they wanted on day one of free agency so he talks about that and how Dallas was interested in him and kind of DeLon Wright's fit on this team and how he is a projected starter and what his kind of role looks like moving forward. And so Tim uh, spends a good a bit of time praising on him and how that kind of unfolded in the timeline of that. On today's pod, he also talks about the restricted guys. I asked him about Finney Smith and Maxie's deals and what he thinks about them. And we touch a little bit on the Porzingis contract and about the injury stuff and the player option and how, you know, he got the best deal possible for him, Porzingis did. And uh, Tim reminds us all kind of the confidence in you know, Dallas offering that deal after being able to see him up close for some time. And that's cool hearing Tim talk about that. And we talk about the fan base. And that, I mean, that's kind of the one of the biggest things right now of the expectations of, of the fans and how you can be disappointed and frustrated, but still happy with where the team's going to and uh, kind of back and forth. And I wanted to get Tim's perspective on that because Tim's perspective is so interesting. Him starting off, if you listen to yesterday's pod, he said, you know, I was just such a big Mavs fan and I want to just get into writing. So he started writing for Mavs Moneyball, the SB Nation site. And that uh, that fandom grew into now he is on this, you know, this full-time beat writing stage at The Athletic. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's cool. He, he's kind of lived both sides now to where it, hearing his perspective of uh, the fan base and how kind of he can um, really feel how the fans are feeling disappointed, but also view it from an analyst reporter side too. So uh, I liked hearing Tim's perspective of that. And we talked about Tim's um, Vegas trip. He went out to Vegas again for summer league and whether he watched some of the games or not, he jokes about that, but kind of what was the standouts in Vegas for him what he thinks will happen with the roster spots, uh, who kind of um, showed um, showed out in summer, summer league. I guess if we, we could say, I uh, talked a little bit about Josh Reeves, Isaiah Roby, Costas. Uh, towards the end, the Costas news uh, came out. This shows you kind of when we're recording this podcast. Uh, uh, when you're listening to this, 
Costas has been waived for quite some time now, a few day, handful of days. So while we were recording the podcast, Costas uh, gets waived by Dallas. After we would sit there and talk, Tim uh, talked about how Costas kind of hadn't uh, improved as much as what people liked. So, and then finally, we kind of we kind of end today's convo talking about the expectations head into the season. What does uh, what does the front office and fan base, what should they expect with this first season of Porzingis and Dallas, the duo of Porzingis and, and Luka, and what's the expectation of Luka going into camp? We know it's all about him getting his shape, but kind of what this next year two for him looks like. And uh, yeah, really the expectation route is what we landed on of what the big topic of Mavs fans and front offices what what will that ground what will be set in expectation will it be playoffs or bust will it be um kind of a, a rebuilding a building of just those duos and find the young guys and who can develop and he kind of gives a, a viewpoint on how you can kind of measure success this year that i really liked of how Cato uh, laid that out so stay tuned this is part two of my conversation with tim Cato of the athletic Let's hear what Tim has to say. Cuban's been pretty vocal, I feel like, over the past or since he's been in Vegas that, hey, DeLon Wright was a a super quick call in free agency. And obviously they went after Danny Green. Was Danny Green and DeLon Wright, was that immediate plan B after Kimba? And how confident were they in landing both of those guys? And and it was DeLon DeLon Wright – interest and um passion to pursue him was that from the very beginning of free agency or was it more of a hey this is where we're at a few days after free agency let's get him while we can yeah that's that's my understanding is that they they were always interested in those two um there let me uh yeah let me start with Zaylon. um i i heard like i i know his his name got put out there a little bit and and i remember asking a, a mask guy about it and and it was uh it was very um, the, the person was almost surprised that it was out there because they had been preparing that he, he basically the way he explained it was like, yeah, we've been preparing this for a little bit. And, and, you know, we are, uh, um, you know, we, we were, we were preparing this and we were waiting for the moratorium to end because that's, that's when you can offer, you know, this, this, you know, a, a offer sheet and, and get everything rolling. And they were kind of keeping it under wraps because they were definitely interested in from the start. So I, I think he was definitely always a target of theirs. Um, it makes sense. He's, I think he's a guy who fits well on this team around these players. Um, I I've always liked him as, as a player, you know, he was, he was, um, uh, you know, part of that Toronto bench mob. That was, that was so good. Um, so yeah, as far as I understand, maybe they're just saying that because he was the last guy left, but I, I think he was always kind of in their plans. Um, and as for Danny green, you know, the same thing, um, you know, I, it, it's funny to me that at, after all these years kind of waiting on superstars to make their decisions, um, they ended up targeting a role player who was waiting on a superstar to make his decision. It's just like something something about it just like very perfectly Mavsy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I it might just been be them talking it up and, and trying to save face. But but I actually think that it was their plan B. Danny Green and, and Daylon was their plan B um, and they quickly you know, they, they very quickly pivoted to that and, and, uh, you know, certainly ha- were halfway successful on it. Yeah. And, and now they get this defensive, you know, point guard and, and right. And it's kind of like they kind of plug the holes in these spots of you get the sharpshooter and Curry. We needed more shooting. You get the banging big man in Boban. You have this, you know, right in Delon, right. That can be now this backcourt of him and Luca is super massive and, 
I mean, what he he probably is, I guess, the smallest person in the starting lineup, probably, I guess. Oh, uh, wait, who is Daylon? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think Cuban said it like I, I believe Carl when he says that the the starting lineup is going to be fluid. Um, I, I bet we see probably 15 to 20 variations of it throughout the year. I, I want to say we saw probably 20, maybe not quite that many, but I bet we get a dozen, at least a dozen different starting lineups. Some of that will be injuries. Some of that will be Przingis, um load management nights, but, but I bet we get a lot of variations of it. Um, that said, I think the plan is to go in with Dale on as a starter and Luku at the two and just really throw a ton of size at people. And, you know, I, just quickly off the top of my head, the only team that is comparable to that is Philadelphia. I think, I don't think anybody else is starting a six, five and a six, eight guy. And as they're, as they're one and they're two. Um, and, and that's, you know, size isn't everything length isn't everything, you know, we've seen enough long wingspan guys come into the league and just not have the skills to cut it. But having a really tall team is, is doesn't hurt. So I, I think it's really interesting to see how, how that tall lineup, you know, just, how hard it is to deal with and, and how much, you know, even with a couple weak links defensively, maybe, um, you know, how they, how they can just make up for that by, by just, you know, being there, just like, just having limbs and arms and, and length, you know, in, in the spaces that the offenses are trying to create uh, buckets in. What'd you think about the restricted guys and their deals and Finney Smith and Maxi? thought they were both really fair. I thought, I thought pricing on both of them made a lot of sense. Um, Finney Smith was obviously in line for more money at the start of the start of the year, but his shot fell off and, you know, he, he wasn't playing as well. I, and I thought also, um, and I think, I think Dorian's a, just a great guy. I've, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, interacting with him. I think he loses a little bit of his defensive edge when his shot isn't going down. And I think that's a natural thing too, but uh, you know, the, the more he can stay mentally sharp uh, in, in these coming years, I think that's something he can improve on. Um, and, and just really be a locked in defender at all times. We know how good he is when he's, when he's locked in and at his best. Um, but, but, you know, even if his shot isn't going down and hopefully, you know, he finally turns the corner and, uh, you know, where he was at the start of next, you know, the start of last season is, is where he is, you know, at a full-time basis or, or at least more of more of the coming season. But, um, you know, always being that lock locked in defender, I think is also important for him. And Maxi, you love Maxi's deal. Um, yeah. We're both huge fans of Maxi Kleba, and I didn't mention Porzingis in this, but were you surprised on anything with the non-injury stuff in Porzingis's contract player option? Did any of his contract surprise you any? Uh, not really. With the way they'd been talking about him after after all these all these months, um, the the fact that they had him in and, and that they've had months to look at him and you know, watch them on the court and run their own measurements on him. Um, and, and, you know, just in terms of, of gauging his health and where his knees and his body's at, I think that's a, that's a big sign that they, they feel pretty confident in him. Um, obviously they just gave him 158 million, but <laughs> you know, I think it really is a sign of good faith that, that they're like, Hey, we're going to give you the most player friendly con- contract possible. You're going to get all your money, all five years, no, you know, injury, non-guarantees potentially in there, uh, even a player option. You're, we're going to give you all that because, you know, we're really, we, we believe in you. We, we want to have the best relationship possible with you. Um, and I think they probably could have negotiated a little bit of that stuff in there had they tried, but they, be- they believed it was more important to really negotiate a great relationship 
with uh, a player they want to be here, you know, probably till he retires. And, uh, you know, given the fact that they have had a lot of time to review his medical history and um, you literally to see him playing basketball for three months, like, he was basically cleared to play a month after he got here and could have been cleared sooner and was practicing and scrimmaging with them, um, you know, full t- on, a, on a full time basis uh, from pretty much the beginning of March uh, until the season ended. And that they've had that long with him to see him and, and, and really grow confident in, in the level of his health, I think that says a lot and, and says shows how confident they are in him. The fan outrage. Uh, you you wrote something. I just read it yesterday. I think it was with you and Kemp, and y'all do this back and forth on The Athletic. And you said some things that I really thought was really good as far as the expectation part. And a lot of Mavs Twitter is super upset. Mavs fans are ups, you know, upset initially. I think some people are coming uh, coming around on it now, and they're like, hey, it's fine. Okay, we like some of our pieces, some of the moves that we made, too. It's okay. But where where was the disconnect? Was it an expectation that was set by the front office and fans expected something? They didn't get what they expected, and that's where it came from. Is there a rightful outrage that should be there? Well, how, what's your perspective on the fan base right now after free agency? I, I, I have a pretty, um, middle ground feeling. I think that when you say Kimba Walker and Chris Middleton are your targets, when you say that you're clearing max cap space for a max player, and then you don't go and get one, um, no matter how realistic it was, I think it's fair for fans to feel disappointed. Um, I, I don't, I don't think every fan has to be carefully examining the other 29 teams and being like, oh, well, Boston might emerge as a better suitor for Kimball Walker. Um, or, oh, we have the cap space, but we're also going to have cap space in two years. And, and just logistically, you know, looking at the spreadsheets, you know, this is, this is money that's being cleared either way. You know, I, I don't think every fan, like, I think fans are allowed to be emotional. If you say, we're targeting Kimba Walker, who's a max player, who's going to fit our core really well, even though, you know, I might not necessarily think that as a as a uh, as an analyst, you know, kind of looking at things. If you tell your fans that they're going to be disappointed when it doesn't happen, I think that's a uh, natural reaction. And then even when like Danny Green, this Danny Green stuff drags out and he's a name everybody knows he's he's won a. Or, or nearly won a finals MVP one time. He's, he has a couple rings. They just saw him winning for Toronto. Um, when you see all that stuff and, and you see this thing dragging out and you see yet again, after years of free agents not picking you, you see even Danny Green picking another team. I think it's perfectly fair to feel frustrated and, and, and to feel like it's, it's yet again, you know, uh, a free agent just won't pick Dallas, like just doesn't like Dallas. Why is this? Um, I also think that, you know, objectively you look at the team and they are two things. They're, they're, they're not proven. They have two amazing, you know, just amazing young players, young centerpieces, um, but they haven't proven anything. So, so I think in that sense, it makes sense to me why they aren't an attractive free agent destination yet. Um, obviously they don't have the glamor market. They don't have a, you know, uh, you know, a veteran recruiter like LeBron James, who's friends with everybody in the league and everybody wants to play for, um, but I think we've also seen that if you have a proven winning culture and team that's been in the playoffs, free agents like to go to you. Uh, I, I think we've seen that, that Utah signed free agents and Boston signed free agents. And, you know, obviously the L.A. teams signed free agents. And what's the common denominator with all those teams? They're in the playoffs winning games with a proven core around them. 
Um, and I think it's fair to say that in two years, that should be Dallas with, with two young players that, that should get better and, and should, you know, push this team towards playoff contention, um, you know, contention to be in a playoff spot, not, not contention for a title, of course, but, but play, you know, contending for the playoffs and, and hopefully in two years they're, they're actually in the playoffs. I think it's fair to say that, you know, they're not proven, they're not there yet, that it makes sense why free agents aren't really giving them a fair shot so far. Um, but in two years that, that they should be and that it's a different situation and that, you know, it's perfectly fair for Dallas to to be gearing up for free agency in two years because, you know, all those free agents that that didn't sign with them over the past half decade and ever since the title team got broken up, all those free agents weren't presented with a with a situation that's going to be anything like they're going to have in two years, like the Mavericks are going to have in two years. So. I think that's kind of how I see it. So it's, I think, I think the, the disappointment is fair. I, I think that, you know, that's what sports are. It's supposed to be an emotional thing where, where you, you know, you feel emotions about it, but also um, at the same time, I think that uh, it's also fair for Dallas to think that free agency is going to look different in two years and that their pitch is going to be different, that their, their situation is going to be an appealing one and that, they can really be bidders um, for for somebody out there, you know, maybe even a, a big star. And where does the expectations go to like this season? We, we, you were mentioning how you know in two years this pitch will be different because hopefully you know these the two you know stars and the Luca and KP will have proven that hey you, you guys can come here. We're we're established duo in the league. Going into this first season together as this duo. Where do you think the expectations will be set from the front office fans? What should fans expect of this first season, whether it's playoffs, whether it's, Hey, don't, don't expect the playoffs. It's a building season. What, and where do you think the front office will land in that too, of setting the expectations again of, Hey, playoffs or bust this year. This is what it's about. Basically. I think the team should be in a position where, Nobody at any point during the season says, oh, what if we just tanked here? You know, we have our pick this year. You know, the, the team has their pick. What if, what if they just tanked? Because you're not going to make the playoffs anyway. If they can be in the playoff race until the April 1st, I think that is a massive win. It, I don't – it's a really hard conference. It's a loaded conference full of talent. But if this team can be competitive, if they can show a lot of promise from the two young stars – you know, if they can show that the role players all fit in around them, maybe you don't have your third guy. Maybe you could use an upgrade on the fourth, um, you know, the fourth best player on the team. Um, but they have a bunch of role players who fit. They have two stars at the top. Um, as long as they see all of that stuff coming together in a, in a manner that that puts them, you know, that, that keeps them in playoff contention, you know, for most of the season, I think that's a I think that's a big win. And I, I think that's what they should be aiming for. And that, uh, you know, playing playing meaningless games in March once again would be would be disappointing after three straight years of doing it because this is the year things are supposed to start coming together. It doesn't mean that a playoffs are guaranteed. It doesn't mean that if you don't make them it's a bust and you know and, and it's a bust and a totally lost season. But I think you really have to push towards it and and be close to that. And uh if if you aren't then I I, I think it's fair to be disappointed in, in the results next season. What's the expectation for Luca coming into camp? What's the, I know the people, uh, people are thrown out there about him getting in shape. And I think Rick Carl even said it on the, on a broadcast in Vegas and about how he needs to be in the best shape of his life. Is that what's the front office expecting of Luca this off season, you know, before he heads into camp and what is that expectation for Luca heading into the second year? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he needs to be better. He's, he's, he's going into a second year and like as, as any young player, you know, he's going to be expected to improve. Um, I I don't think improvements necessarily means that his stats have to make huge jumps. I don't, I, I don't think that if he averages 22 points again this season, um, you know, the same as last year, that, that it doesn't mean that he isn't making improvements. He can improve his conditioning, his efficiency, his just his defense, his overall contributions to the team. And uh, still have similar stats to last year and be a much better player. So I, I don't I don't think that we should judge. I don't think we should set like benchmarks of saying he must average 25, eight and eight, which, by the way, is an absurd stat line. You know, that is that's what LeBron does every year. I, I think that, you know, he was already so good last year statistically um, that that improving in ways that are maybe more subtle um, can make a huge impact, whether that's defense, whether that's conditioning, whether it's, you know, all these various aspects of the game that, that can be improved. So um, definitely he has to be better. Um, but, but I think that uh, statistically, I, I think he could have a much better year next season while basically putting up the same stats. Chance that Luke is an all-star next year. Uh, pretty high because I think he's going to have a chance to get in as a guard and a forward. And I think that's going to be a big help. Um, I also think his stats, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to decide, like, I think Chris Tetz is going to miss a lot of games at the start of the year for, for this load conditioning, uh, load management thing. Um, I've heard the number might be 15 games. So, you know, if you think about that, it's probably going to be a lot of back to backs to start the season. Uh, they'll maybe die down as the, as the year progresses. Um, do you think that like Porzingis missing games will, will help him like boost his numbers a little bit more, or maybe just Porzingis um, you know, not being on the floor is just going to hurt everybody because to some extent it will. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, I've... Yeah. Huh. Uh, that's a good question. Like if, if, if KP, if he sets out that many games, how, what will it do for Luca's stats and yeah. for the season? But we'll see. I mean, Luca put up decent stats without him last year, a uh, decent, uh, an underselling at that point, but yeah, I mean, okay. So to, to wrap this in, I know I've kept you longer than I, I said I would, so I'm sorry, but I want to get a couple of Vegas thoughts from you. What, um, you spent some time in Vegas, Mavs summer league squad. What is, give me a couple takeaways from this summer league team that, uh, is worth mentioning or noting for fans. <laughs> You're acting like I actually watched. Summer league. <laughs> my, my joke about Vegas is that it's a, uh, the giant net networking conference with uh with bad basketball in the background. Yes. Uh, but no, no. I, I mean I watched the team. Uh I, I think I would give the the two way spots to Roby and Josh Reeves and use the fifteenth roster spot on a on a big man. Just a replacement level big man. I don't care who it is. You just need someone who can give you minutes uh when, when you're when you're kind of light there. Hopefully like a four or five swing. Um, I don't really have any names on on, on hand, but I, I think that's what I would do with it because I like Macon. I, I think he will at some point. I, I could see him breaking into a rotation, but I think his ceiling's really low. I think he's at best going to be Yogi Ferrell, and that's a fine player, and I'm, I'm rooting for him to be that because he seems like a good dude. But you know, I, I don't think that's you know they're loaded at guard. They have guards. Um, if nobody picks him up, bring him back to the Texas Legends. But I, I don't. I don't think he's a player that that you have to bring in. Um, Ante Decumpo, Costas, Costas. I think is. Um, I saw more flashes from him, I feel like, last summer league than I did this one. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really see a lot of improvement. So, you know, I, I'm also rooting for him. I, I'm perfectly fine if he ends up in Texas again, uh, the Texas Legends, I should say. Um, but I, I don't know if he's earned enough to, to get that two-way contract again. 
Um, obviously, there are implications of his last name and, and players that the Dallas front office wants to pursue. So maybe that factors in here. Um, but I, I thought the, the players most deserving of the two-way spots were Josh Reeves, who I thought looked really interesting as a kind of a bouncy guard who can shoot a little bit and, and defends. And uh, I thought Roby flashed enough that I, I'm pretty interested, too. He's he's very raw, um, some, doesn't have like immediate ways, like is, isn't a scorer and, and probably will never be. But that's fine because he, he does enough interesting things that he could be like a very, very, very – light version of like Draymond Green. I think yeah. that is, that is what he should be aiming for. Someone who does, you know, pulls like brings an offense together just by doing enough, like hitting enough threes, making enough interesting, you know, good passes, uh, finishing around the rim enough. And then is a, is a switchy defender on the other end. And he's miles away from being that. And probably will you know, I'm not saying he's going to be uh Draymond, but uh, I think that's, that's what he should kind of aim to be as a player. Yeah. And you touched on the 15th spot. You think they should go with a big at that spot? They they seem light. I mean, if 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 Porzingis is going to be resting that much, and he has injury concerns as well, you know, he's he's definitely had some injuries in his in his history. Let's say he misses twenty games. That's twenty games you're going to have only Kleba, Pal, and Boban as your true bigs, and so you're going to be playing Finney Smith a lot at the four, uh, maybe Josh Reeves, maybe even Luca. Um, that's going to work a lot of the times, but I, I think just having an emergency big is always nice because if you have two big men injuries, all of a sudden you're very, very light. Um, so I think it's always nice to have an emergency big. And the fact is, that, you know, is Salah think, completely out of the picture now I, I've, I've speculated he could be the fifth guy. Um, I, I think Boban makes him harder to bring back because essentially they're same, they're the same player. I'd rather a big man who can play some four as well. Um, but yeah, I bring solid back, honestly, especially he's, he's best friends with, with Luca essentially. So, um, if you have that roster spot open, I, I can't, you know, I, I'd be fine with solid back too. What happens with Courtney Lee now? I mean, his name has been thrown out in trades and stuff over the past, what, six months, I guess, or ever since right. he got traded for Porzingis. So, I mean, is he just, is he know, I mean, he's coming back to, he's coming to camp this fall or what do you think Dallas tries to do with that contract right now? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think they're done for the summer outside of signing someone for that 15th spot. So I, I don't, I don't think he gets traded between now and the season. He, he definitely could be moved at the, at the deadline if somebody wants an expiring and there's a good player out there. Um, he also could just write out his contract and, and, you know, they, they, they don't want to stretch wave him. They don't want that salary, that extra salary on the book. They were willing to do it if they needed to this summer, but, um, Overall, you know, I, you know, maybe he's a, he, you know, he's not a bad player. Um, I, I don't think that he's going to factor into the rotation, but, but you get enough injuries. I, I think he's capable of, of filling a role for you if, if needed. So uh, all, all things considered, I bet he just kind of sticks around and, and maybe at the trade line line gets moved. So um, I, I don't, I don't think we'll be talking about Courtney Lee a lot this season is my expectation up, up until maybe February when he gets dealt. I was going to say, we'll probably, yeah, we'll probably be talking about him in February. Yeah. Um, all right, Tim, you're the man, Matt. Actually, you here, breaking news, uh, the Mavs just waved Costas. So. Oh, did they really? Yeah. 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 Well, Shams just sent that out there, so. Well, it, I mean, it, I felt the same way you did, and I'm like, man, it, you want him to be good, and it's just – watching him in summer league you're like man I, you just didn't see the improvement and when you saw somebody like roby out there and you're like man Roby, like yeah you just didn't see the improvement from last year to this year yeah yeah i agree that was that was the biggest issue so hey maybe milwaukee picks him up now 
Maybe. Maybe. They can have three. <laughs> they can have three brothers. They're they're two they're two brothers away from an all onto the Kumpo lineup. <laughs> and what? Alex is supposed to be pretty good too, right? Yeah, I think he's like supposedly supposed to be the best of the best non Giannis on de Kumbo brother. Okay. How far do you know how far I know I'm putting you on the spot? Uh, he was like 17 last year. I want to say, so maybe he's uh, a season away now. Another, another year or so. He's either okay. a senior in high school or into college. I think one of those two. Dallas would be making a move in that draft to try to get Alex. <laughs> <laughs> they just might. They just might. <laughs> All right, Tim, I don't know when I'll see you next. Maybe at a press conference pretty soon, but if not, I'll see you in uh, about a month or so when uh, the next media day happens in what, September, I guess. Mid- is it mid-September at media day or late September? Uh, end of September or something like that. A couple months out. It's It'll be here before we know it. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, Tim. I'm so glad that you are uh, full-time covering the Mavs and everything you're doing at the athletic. And I just love what the athletic does. And thanks for coming on a pod, bro. I'll see you soon. For sure, dude. Good chat. This concludes my, uh, my interview, my set down with Tim Cato of the athletic. Uh, so super shout out to uh, Tim to taking the time out uh, of his quote off season. If there is one, uh, to chat with me about the Mavs and their summer and off season and all that stuff. Hopefully you got some uh, cool stuff uh, from our chat over the past few days, possibly taking off tomorrow. There might not be a pod in your um, inboxes for Friday as I'm currently out of town also. Um, but if not, if there's not a pod on Friday, um, we'll be back for sure on Monday and back to the Monday through Friday format. So appreciate you listening this week. Appreciate you listening to the past two days in my convo with Tim Cato. Show him some love on Twitter. Uh, it's great having him on the full-time beat of the Dallas Mavericks. Have a great weekend.